Hey, friendos, what's up? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Lamed Beis, Daf 32, Daf Lev, Daf Heart, Daf uh, 32, uh, Mesechta Beitza. Um, yeah, friends, we're going to continue studying like more like Beitza-y kind of things, uh, like untying ropes on Yontif. Uh, yeah, get, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to get up to a new Mishnah about making like a, a candle kind of like like a vessel on Yom Tif. And yeah, kind of that's also pretty cool. And then also we talk about, um, yeah, kind of like whatever, cooking fish and I don't know, other kind of interesting sugas. So friends, let's jump in. We're going to get started on Daflamad Aleph from the Bays. We got a little bit of work to do over here. I think I'd said yesterday that it maybe was against my better judgment, but, uh, alright, so, let's go weiter. So about, I'd say between 10 and 15 lines from the bottom of the page. First word on the line is Omer. Omer Shmuel, says Shmuel. Okay. Chosomus Shebakarka. Okay. Uh, excuse me, I had to rub my nose. Oh my gosh. Alright. Um, if you have like uh, a rope that's tied to the ground, meaning, so I don't know, let's say you have like a, you know, Lemaise in Achlaot, so there's the Kalim Mikvah, and the Kalim Mikvah has like a lid on top of it. And so imagine like you have some kind of like, you know, covering of, you know, on the ground, you know, maybe some body of water or something, maybe like a Kalim Mikvah, whatever it is, that you, you have a covering on the ground and you have a rope tied to the covering and tied to the ground. So if you have this, basically like a rope tied to the ground, so matir, so you can untie it because, you know, again, if we take the the um, example of like a kalim mikvah, so that rope is meant to be tied and untied so people can, op- excuse me, open up the um, cover all the time. But do not unravel the rope and do not cut the rope. Okay, fine. So if you have this rope that's tied to the ground, you can untie it, but do not unravel it and do not cut it. Now, if the rope is tied not to the ground, but to vessels, well, in that case, matir, not only can you untie it, but you can even unravel it and you can even cut it. All right. That sounds like fun. And this is irregardless or regardless, irrespective, I don't know, of whether it's Shabbos or Yom Tov. So according to Shmuel, the key point over here is, is this rope tied to the ground or is this rope tied to vessels? If the rope is tied to the ground, so then you can untie it, but you may not unravel it and you may not cut it. If it is tied to vessels, so then you may untie it and you may unravel it and you may cut it. All right. And again, this is both on Shabbos and according to and on Yom Tif. This is Shmuel's opinion and Meisve. However, we have a we have a question on Shmuel. What's the question? Well, we have a brace that says If you have um, these ropes that are attached to the ground, so now Bishabis. Interesting. So we have a brisa here that actually seems to be making a distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov. And they say 
that when you have a rope that's tied to the ground, so on Shabbos, you're allowed to untie it, but you may not unravel it and you may not cut it. But on Yom Tif, in addition to untying it, you may also unravel it and you may also cut it. So whereas Shmuel says that, look, when it comes to a rope that's tied to the ground, so you can't do anything, right? A rope that's tied to the ground, Shmuel says, well, not nothing, but, but you, you would be allowed to untie it, but you would not be allowed to unravel it and you would not be allowed to cut it if it's tied to the ground. We have a price that's actually saying it's not so simple. If it's Yom Tif, in addition to untying it, you can also unravel it and you can also cut it. So, so right, so again, so Mace, we have a, we have a question, that when it comes to these ropes tied to the ground, B'Shavis Matir, so on Shabbos, you're allowed to untie the rope, but you may not unravel it and you may not cut it. So that's in line with Shmuel. However, where it digresses, where it diverges from Shmuel's opinion, is B'yomtiv. That when it comes to Yomtiv, you can untie the rope, you can unravel the rope, and you can cut the rope. But Shmuel had said that when it comes to a rope tied to the ground, regardless of if it's Shabbos or Yom Tif, it makes no difference. You can untie it, but you may not unravel it, and you may not cut it. Hamani Rameirhi, the Gemara says, well, that's just the opinion of Rameir. That Rameir had said in our Mishnah, that when it comes to, um, that when it comes to um, this uh, like house, that has fruits in it. And we said that it's talking about where the bricks are not actually cemented to each other, and therefore it was only also Midarbanan because of Simchas Yamtiv it's allowed. That's what Mayor said. So here also he'll say that look, un, uh, that this is only, uh, right, this unraveling and cutting of the rope is only also Midarbanan. And therefore on Shabbos it is Osir, but on Yamtiv because of Simchas Yamtiv will say that it is allowed. Um, but the rabbis argue with um, Reb Meir, and they say that no, actually, you would on 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 uh, when it comes to this rope that's tied to the ground, it's also midoraisa, and it's not allowed on Shabbos, nor is it allowed on Yom Tif, and ve'ona da amikirabonon, and Shmuel would say that he holds like the rabbis, and that when it comes to this rope that's tied to the ground, you. Um, may not uh, untie it, you may not unravel it, you may not cut it, regardless of if it's Shabbos or Yom Tif. But now, the Gemara, the Gemara asks, umipli But one second. Do the rabbis really argue with Reb Meir when it comes to these uh, ropes that are tied to the ground? But we learn in a Brice, that the Chacham actually agree with Reb Meir, when it comes to these um, uh, ropes that are tied to the ground, that while on Shabbos you're allowed to untie them, but you may not unravel them and you may not cut them. However, on Yom Tif, you can uh, untie the rope and you can unravel the rope and you can um, cut the rope. So the rabbis seem to be agreeing with Rameir. That when it comes to this rope that's tied to the ground, on Yom Tif, you're allowed to untie it, you're allowed to unravel it, you're allowed to cut it. So then how can Shmuel say that when it comes to ropes tied to the ground, 
regardless of if it's Shabbos or Yom Tif, you're allowed to untie it, but you may not unravel it. You may not cut it. Wow. Friends, <laughs> what do you guys think? Very uh, gripping sugi over here. So the Gemara says, well, Shmuel actually holds like the following Tana. When it comes to these seals, these um, ropes that are tied to the ground in order to like, you know, keep like a something closed, like a lid on something. So Matir, so you're allowed to untie it, okay. But you're not allowed to unravel it. You're not allowed to cut it. And this is whether it's Shabbos or whether it's Yom Tif. Boom. So that seems to be exactly like Shmuel. Sounds like Shmuel has found his Bryce. But, one second, we do have to read a little further. The Bryce then says, that if the rope is tied to a vessel, on Shabbos, you would be allowed to untie it, but you would not be allowed to unravel it, and you would not be allowed to cut it be yomtif, but if it uh, is yomtif, then matir mafkia v'chotech, you would be allowed to um, 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 uh, untie it and uh, unravel it and cut it. So, now Shmuel had said, Shmuel had not made any dis- distinctions between Shabbos and yomtif. Shmuel had said that when it comes to the rope tied to the ground, you can untie it, but you may not unravel it, and you may not cut it. When it comes to a rope that's tied to a vessel, you may untie it, and you may unravel it, and you may cut it. Um, so while this Brysa seems to be agreeing with Shmuel when it comes to the first part, to the rope that's tied to the ground, that you may untie it, but you may not unravel it, and you may not cut it. And that's both on Shabbos and Yom Tif. So the Brysa and and Shmuel are totally agreeing. However, they diverge somewhat when it comes to the rope that's tied to the vessel, where Shmuel says a rope tied to the vessel, so uh, you would be allowed to untie it, unravel it, and cut it, whether Shabbos, whether Yom Tov, but the Bryce is saying that while you're allowed to untie it and unravel it and uh, cut it on Yom Tov, you can only untie it on Shabbos. You may not unravel it and you may not Cut it. So, hmm, what do we do? So, Taratzdalach Reisha. So, we found the match for Shmuel in the first part of the Brisa, the part that talks about um, rope tied to the ground, Elisefa Kasha. But the second part of the um, Brisa, but the second part of the uh, Brisa, which talks about a rope tied to vessels. Um, is the, the, is not going to work out with Shmuel because while Shmuel does not distinguish between um, Shabbos and Yom Tov when it comes to the rope tied to the vessel, the Brisa is distinguishing between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Hamani Reb Nechem Yehi, Tamer Kol Akelim in Italian Ella Derech Tashmishon. Okay, so the Gemara wants to now try to answer and say, well, this Brisa is Reb Nechem that Rav Nechemi's opinion, as we learned to Masech the Shabbos, is that any vessel can only be moved for its purpose. So, therefore, um, you know, if you have a, I don't know, let's say a knife, for example, so a knife would only be allowed to be moved to like cut food or something like that. And you wouldn't be allowed to move it for like, um, 
to cut rope or something like that. And therefore, while Rabbi Nechemia would admit that when it comes to Yom Tif, if you can, if you have this rope that um, is, you know, tied to a vessel, so if you can unravel it and cut it with your hand without using a knife, well then, I guess he would agree with with, with Shmuel. However, um, if you're going to want to use a knife to do that, well, he would say that it's not allowed because, um, I'm sorry, if this is Shabbos, we said it wouldn't be allowed to use this knife. Um, if it's Shabbos, then it wouldn't be allowed to use this knife because you're going to have to move the knife uh, in order to cut the rope, but the primary use of the knife would really be for food. But now says the Gemara, But the, 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 the place where this doesn't really work out so stark is that what's the deal with the distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tif? Meaning, if we're saying, well, the reason why Nehemiah is saying that when you have a rope tied to a vessel on Shabbos, you're not allowed to, un, uh, you're allowed to untie it, but you may not unravel it and you may not cut it. If we're saying, look, in theory, um, the Brisa agrees with Shmuel that you would be able to unravel it and um, cut it if the uh, rope is connected to a vessel. However, uh, the assumption is that you're going to be using a knife um, in order to cut it. And this is Reb Nechemio who says that, well, you can only carry a knife for its primary purpose, which is to, I guess, cut food, but not to cut a rope. And therefore, um, that's why you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. But theoretically, if you could do it with your hand, it would be okay. But then what's the deal with the distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov? So he says on Shabbos, you'd be allowed to untie it, but not unravel it and not cut it. Um, but on Yom Tov, you'd be allowed to untie it and unravel it and cut it. What's the deal? What's the distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov? And... If you're going to say, Shanya Leila Rabbi Nechemi ben Shavuos Shabbos the Shavuos Yom Tif, and if you're going to say, well, Rabbi Nechemi differentiates between Shabbos and Yom Tif, he holds of Muktza by Shabbos, he doesn't hold of Muktza by Yom Tif, and that's why you're allowed to untie it and unravel it and cut it on Yom Tif. But does Rabbi Nechemi really distinguish between Shabbos and Yom Tif? We have one verse that says, Mesikin bekelim vin Mesikin bishivrikelim, that on Yom Tif you'd be allowed to make a fire with um, vessels, i.e., with vessels that are not muksa, that are muchan, but you cannot use vessels that broke on Yom Tif because they're muksa. We have another brace that says, we have another brace that says that you're allowed to, uh, make a fire, you're allowed to light a fire, uh, you know, uh, burn a fire both with, um, regular vessels as well as broken vessels because this tana does not hold of Muktzah v'tani idach, we have a third verse that says, "Ein masikin lo bekelim v'lo b'shivrekelim." That you may not uh, burn a fire on Yom Tif, whether with vessels that are muchon that are not muktzah, or whether with broken vessels that broke on Yom Tif that are muktzah. Um, you know, you you can't use any of them. So kilu, even the regular vessels would be considered muktzah according to this opinion. Mishanina, and we answer lo kasha. There's no problem. Ha Rabbi Yehuda, Ha Rabbi Shimon, Ha Rabbi The first price that says that you're allowed to use regular kalim in your fire, but not the kalim that broke on Yom Tov because they're muksa. That's Rabbi Yehuda who holds of muksa. The second price which says that you're allowed to use regular vessels as well as broken vessels, and that's Rabbi Shimon who doesn't hold of muksa, at least on a broad level. And the third price which says that you're not allowed to use regular kalim uh, or broken kalim, that's Rabbi Nechemia who says 
that uh, you're only allowed to use, uh, you know, move something on Shabbos or on Yom Tif for its proper purpose. And um, a vessel is not for burning in fires, and therefore you're not allowed to burn it in a fire. So we see that Reb Nechemia holds of Muksa even in the context of Yom Tif as well. So what's the deal? If we're saying that this Brisa is Reb Nechemia, then how come he's differentiating between Shabbos and Yom Tif when it comes to um, unraveling and cutting a a uh, rope that is t- uh, attached to a vessel. So, so the Gemara answer is, well, there's two teachers of Brysis that were teaching the opinion of Rabbi Nechemia. Um, the first uh, Tana was saying that he does this, this, uh, differentiate between uh, um, Shabbos and Yom Tif. The other, Bryce, the other teacher of Brysis is assuming that Rabbi Nechemia does not differentiate between Shabbos and Yom Tif and he would say that Muksa applies on Yom Tif as well. And that is why you cannot burn the vessels nor the broken vessels. But the first Tana would say that Rabbi Nechemia does distinguish between um, Shabbos and Yom Tif when it comes to Muksa. And therefore, on Shabbos, you're allowed to untie this rope that is attached to vessels. Um, but you may not um, unravel it nor cut it on Shabbos because you're going to be using a knife and that knife is not being used for its primary purpose. Therefore, it's going to be Muksa. Whereas on Yom Tif, you would, would not hold of Muksa, and therefore he would say that you would be allowed to untie it, you would be allowed to unravel it, and you'd be allowed to cut it. Wow, that was fun. Now we get to a new Mishnah. It says, Says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to take, if you have like a... Uh, or, um, if, you're, if you have like clay, if you're making a, a, a lantern, a lamp, that they would like put oil in and then put like a, a like a wick in there. So if you're making a, a lamp, you may not sort of like, you know, make a, you may not kind of press it in so that there's like a receptacle for it to receive the oil. And because it's making a vessel. And therefore you can't do that on Yom Tif. You're also not allowed to make charcoal on Yom Tif. You also cannot cut a wick in two to make two wicks. Rebuta says that, well, you're allowed to cut a wick into two as long as you do that by means of fire, um, not by means of like a scissors or something like that. And the Gemara is going to explain uh, what the difference is. Oh, so now the Gemara wants to know, who is the Tana who holds that putting like a, a receptacle into a um, candle would be making it into a vessel even before you've like burnt it in a fire and 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 i guess that's like kind of the how you really finish off a vessel an earthenware vessels by like you know i don't know what the word is is it called brandishing in a fire or i don't know like putting it in a fire so montana psichas near monohu who's the teacher who's the tana who says that putting a receptacle into a into earthenware essentially to make a, uh, a, a lamp is going to be making it into a vessel and therefore would be not allowed it would be also on Yom Tif. Omer of Yosef, Reb Meiri. Reb Yosef says, oh, that would be Reb Meiri. Titania as we learn in a price, a klicheres, an earthenware vessel, so at what point does it receive Tuma? Mishenigma Malachto de Reb Meiri. Reb Meiri says, once Already, you kind of put a receptacle into some uh, earthenware. So even if you haven't put it in the fire yet, it's already going to be a vessel and already be makabal tumah. 
it says over here Rabbi Yoshua, but there's another verse that says Rabbi Yehuda, which of course would, would, would be a more natural fit. Rabbi Mary and Rabbi Yehuda were contemporaries, Rabbi Yeshua was older. So let's say Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says that you would have to put it in the fire first and really make it um, stark, and at that point it would be considered a vessel. So we see that Rabbi Mary says that once already you put the receptacle into it, it's already considered a vessel, like our Mishnah says, and therefore you're not allowed to do it on Yom Tov, on Le'abai. Abai says to Yosef Mimai, who says that Rabbi Meir would be the author of our Mishnah, maybe the only reason why Rabbi Meir says that a vessel is Makabotuma from the time that you put the receptacle into the, um, you know, the, the lantern, the lamp. Um, Wait, what? Where am I? One second. Sorry. So the Bryce had said that a, an earthenware vessel, not specifically a lamp, an earthenware vessel in general, at what point is Makabotuma? So, uh, Reb Meir said that basically from the time that you put a receptacle into it, even if you haven't put it into the fire yet, but if you had this, you know, making a pot or something like that, and an earthenware pot, let's say, I don't know, and, uh, or a jug of sorts, I don't know, something made out of earthenware. So, so once already it has a receptacle in it, it's able to be Makabotuma. Um, even if you haven't yet put it in the fire. So Abai wants to suggest, but maybe that's talking about larger earthenware vessels that you can already put things in it from the time that it has a receptacle. But over here, when it's a small little lamp, a tiny little lamp that you're just, you know, making a little, um, you, you, know, uh, you know, receptacle into it and you haven't yet put it in the fire, I mean, what are you going to use it for? Well, you could put some money in it already at that point, And that's why... Um, you know, so we could say that it's Reb Meir, and that just like Reb Meir would say that by a larger vessel, once you put the receptacle in it, it's makabutuma. So also this lamp, once you put a receptacle, it's makabutuma, even if um, you haven't put it in the fire yet. And theoretically, you could put coins in there, even if you can't necessarily put oil in there yet. Yikadamrit are those who say Amr of Yosef or Beliezer Reb Tzaduki. There are those who say that according to the Reb Yosef says that our Mishnah which says that once you put a um, receptacle in the vessel, um, already, you know, you're not allowed to do it on Yom Tif. So that's a Belozer Reb Tzadik, says Rav Yosef, according to this version. The Tanan is, we learn in a Mishnah, Al-Posen Charonios. If you have um, uh, plates of, like, you know, plates from, like, this, these Charonios plates, these plates from, like, this place called Charonios. Where does my brother live? Ah, Harish, that's something else. To um, Apostle Charonios, these Charonios uh, plates, to Horus Baal Ames, so in a, uh, a, a tent of a, uh, of, of, of a corpse, so it remains pure. Because in order for, for a vessel to become impure, in, you know, so if you have like a, a house or a tent or some kind of enclosed area where there's a corpse, so any vessels in that area become an avatuma. Uh, yeah, 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 become an avatuma. Now, in order for these vessels to become an avatuma, if they're earthenware vessels, they have to have an inside. They can't just be like a flat plate. So, alposin charonios tahoros baolamates. So these these um these these charonios plates that were flat, as Rashi points out, they weren't they were they did not. This wasn't a big fancy city where people need things to be beautiful. This was kind of a smaller city, maybe even a village where. A flat plate was good enough for them, so it would not contract tuma in the, um, you know, uh, olamais because uh, it doesn't have an inside, it doesn't have a receptacle. Vitmeos b'masa azov, but when it comes to, you know, if a zov moves it 
well then it will become tummy because there's no requirement for an earthenware vessel uh, to become tummy by the movement of a zav. There is no requirement for it to have a receptacle. So even these flat plates uh, would receive tuma. Rebelazer Breb Tzadik says actually these flat plates would even remain tahor if a zav moves it because it is not yet complete. So we see that according, since it doesn't have a receptacle in it, so we see that according to Rebelazer Breb Tzadik, um, in order for something to be considered a vessel, you have to put in a receptacle. And once you have a receptacle in it, it's already considered a vessel. And therefore our Mishnah, which is saying that you're not allowed to put a receptacle into a vessel on, into a uh, lamp on Yom Tif, so that is going to be Rebelazer Breb Tzadik, who says that once you put a receptacle into it, it becomes a vessel, Amalei Abayi. Abayi says to Yosef, Maybe the only reason why Rebelazer Breb Tzadik says over there by these plates, that you need to put a receptacle in it. Because once you put a receptacle into the plate, now you now it can receive things. But over here, what is this lamp fit for before it's been put in the fire? And the Kabule Bepshite, the answer is, well, you could already put coins in it, and that's what it is fit for. And that is why uh, you can argue that Rabbi Lazar would also say that when it comes to this lamp uh, on Yom Tif, you cannot put a receptacle into it because you could already put in some coins at that point, even before it's been put cast into the fire. Tanur Abonan the Rabbis taught in Pochas in Isaner, you're not allowed to put a receptacle into a vessel, vein osin al posin choronios biomtif, and you're not allowed to make these um flat um um plates on Yomtiv Rabshim bin Gamliel Matir Bal Posin Choronios. Rabshim bin Gamliel says that you are allowed to use these um flat plates because you haven't yet put a um a receptacle into there. Okay? Fine. My Choronios, what are these, um, well, what are these Choronios? Omar reviewed the Iranios, my Iranios, Omar Abai Tsoe Chakleasa. We're talking about, um, we're talking about these like uh, plates of uh, farmers. Alright, sounds like fun. Okay, the Mishnah had said, Venosim Pachomen, and you're not allowed to make these uh, charcoals on Yom Tif, alright? Pshita, of course you can't make charcoal on Yom Tif. What's it fit for? What can you do with charcoal that you make on Yom Tif? Uh, so, Well, you can give the charcoal to the people who work in the bathhouse to be able to heat up the bathhouse for you on Yom Tif. Wait, are you allowed to bathe on Yom Tif? So Rava based, so we say based on Rava essentially. Well, you could say that it's talking about um, not to bathe in the bathhouse on Yom Tiv, but to um, sweat, to shvitz, right? We learned the Masech the Shabbos that initially you were allowed to go to the bathhouse in order to shvitz on Shabbos. Uh, I think on Shabbos also and on Yom Tiv. Um, uh, and then they eventually said that you're not allowed to. So we're going to say here also that, well, you can, um, theoretically, you would think that maybe you'd be able to give the um, charcoal to uh, the the bathhouse people so you could sweat over there. That's what it would theoretically be fit for. And we're saying, that's why we're saying, well, you're not allowed to make these charcoals for any purpose on Yom Tif. All right, sounds fun. Um, 
and you can't cut a wick into two. So now, So, so our Mishnah had said that you're not allowed to cut a um, wick into two. Rabbi Yudah says you're allowed to put, you're allowed to cut it into two if you burn it in half, right? So you, if you have like a long wick, so you can't cut it into with the scissors. But if you like, you know, light it, uh, if you like, you know, have some fire and you put it in the middle of the wick and it, and you, and, and now it, the, you kind of burn it into two, that would work. Now the Gemara wants to understand why. Functionally speaking, what's the difference if you divide it in two with the scissors or divide it in two with the flame? So Tani So says, well, because there's a little bit more context to that. Actually, what we're talking about is that you have a long wick that goes from one lamp to another lamp. And then what you could do is you could basically light it in the middle and then you're basically feeding two birds with one seed, right? So you basically, you know, you have one long wick, one end is in this lamp, the other end is in the other lamp, and then you light it in the middle and you're basically, sure, you're making two separate wicks, but you're also lighting both um, lamps at the same time. So it's not, you know, quite like you're just making two wicks. You're also, it's in the context of lighting these lamps, which is, which is acceptable. All right. Amr of Nosin Bar Abba Amr Rav. Okay, so now it says of Nosin Bar Abba in the name of Rav Mochatin is Apsila Biyomtif. You're allowed to be Mochatin a um, um, wick on Yomtif. My Mochatin. What's Mochatin? Amr of Chanino Bar Shlami Mishmed Rav La Aduye Chushcha. You'd be allowed to um, remove. You'd be allowed to remove, like you know, if you burn, if you have like a wick and at the top there's like some like char. So you're allowed to remove that char because it might be making the flame like black or something. So you're allowed to mo- remove that char on uh, Yom Tif. All right. That sounds fun. Kapara says, look, friends, there are six things that are said about a wick. Friends, can anybody guess what these six things are? Three of them are to be stringent and three of them are to be lenient. Okay. So what's it going to be? So the stringencies are you're not allowed to um, twist it on Yom Tif. Alright. You don't singe it in fire. Alright. And you don't cut it in two. Alright. Sounds fun. And what are the leniencies said about a wick? You're allowed to um, press it together in your hand. Vishore b'shemen, you can uh, dip it and uh, let it soak in oil. V'chotcha b'or b'fishte neris, and you're allowed to um, uh, uh, cut it using a flame, cut it in half using a flame. You know, if you have the wick that goes, as we described earlier, you have a long wick, one end on uh, in this lamp, and the other end, the other lamp, you can kind of light it in the middle. You're basically lighting both lamps at the same time, and also it'll end up dividing the wick into two. Okay, those were the three stringencies and three leniencies of Bar Kapara when it comes to a wick. Vamr of Nosim Bar Abba says of Nosim Bar Abba Omurav. Friends, you ready for this? It's shtickle heavy. Asire Bavel Yorde Gehenim Heim. Wow. Says of Nosim Bar Abba in the name of Rav. Wow. That the wealthy of Bavel are going to go to hell. Kiyad Shabtai Bar Marinos because if we look at the what happened to Shabtai by Marinos Ikla Lebavel? He visited Bavel, Baminayu Iska, and he, he needed a job. He needed to make a parnosa, so he came to 
the wealthy people of Bavel, and he says, look, you know, can I have some venture capital? Can I have some money so that I can go into business and we'll split the profits? And they didn't give him any money to, to start a geshef, to go into business. So they said, all right, at least if you're not going to help me make, uh, you know, make my own living, maybe just give me a shtickle of food. And they wouldn't give him food either. Omar, so this fellow said, I don't know if it's actually, hmm, maybe, maybe it's Shabta Bar Marino said, these people who are denying me venture capital, these people who are denying me food, they do not come from Avram Avinu, they come from the Erev Rav, from all those fellows who joined together with the Yidin when they left Egypt. The Pazuk that the Ebrishter will give you mercy, he will give you the attribute of, of, of mercy and benevolence. If you have a fellow who has mercy and shows benevolence towards other people, so he comes from the children of Avram Avinu. He's compassionate. And if you have somebody who does not show compassion to other people, since certainly this fellow does not come from the lineage of Avram Avinu, and therefore if these people in Bavel were denying um, Shabtai by Marinus um, um, you know money and food so Mimele they must not be descendants of Avramavinu they must be descendants of the Erevrav the great conglomerate Vamar of Nosin by Abba Omarav says of Nosin by Abba the name Rav Kola Metzap al Shulchan Acherim Olam Choshech Ba'ado a fellow who is dependent upon somebody else's table, so the world it is a dark world for him. Shenemar, as the pasuk says, no Aye, a fellow who who has to run around looking for bread, being dependent on other people for bread. Yada kinachon biyadu yom choshech. He certainly has a dark day over there. Rav Chizda Amar and if Chizah says even his life is not is not really a life if he's dependent upon somebody else's table. There are three people who their life is not really a life. These are them. A fellow who must be dependent upon somebody else's table. A fellow whose wife rules over him. And somebody who... Um, 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 Calamity, I guess, uh, comes upon his body. I don't know if calamity is the right word, but uh, yisurin. Um, 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 uh, I don't know what are yisurin. I, I feel like I always have a hard time translating yisurin. Um, uh, so therefore, but like afflictions, afflictions, afflictions. Beisham, the those who say af echod, the those who say also somebody who only has one pair of clothing, because if you only have one you know, thing of clothing, well, then you can't really ever wash it. You get, like, lice and stuff. Whereas Tanakama doesn't include that one because, I guess, theoretically, there are ways of removing the lice, even from that one article of clothing, but definitely sounds bidi evit. Um, okay. Friends, moving on to the next Mishnah. In Shofrin is a cheres, you don't break earthenware. And you don't cut up uh, paper so that you can cook um, like a herring. You know, if you have a, a salty fish, so if you would cook it directly on like the pan or the griddle, it would get very hot and it would ruin the fish. 
So the way that the solution was, they would like cut up some earthenware and then cook the fish on that, or they would like cut up uh, paper and then get it wet and cook the fish on that. They had different uh, mahalchim. Van Gorfin Tonovich is supposed to. Whoa, is that my brother? Somebody just slammed the door. The whole house shake. So 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 um, where were we again? So yeah, so you're not allowed to break up this this earthenware or to cut up uh, paper for the purpose of uh, cooking fish. Van Gorfin Tonovich Raim. You're not allowed to uh, shovel out an oven or a stove of a mechabshin, but you can, um, you know, like flatten the ground in the uh, oven. All right, sounds fun. You can pat it down, I guess. You cannot take two barrels and put them next to each other and put a pot on, you know, like in between and like some fire in, on, on the floor, I guess, over there because you're basically making an oil because you have like two walls and a roof. You can't um, rest a pot on uh, a piece of wood, all right? Uh, and similarly, a door. The assumption right now is that what it means is that you may not take a pot and put it on a door. Like if the door is on the floor, I guess, don't put the pot on top of that, all right? And you may not lead an animal with a stick on Yom Tif or Belazer says you can use a stick. Okay, these sound like really fun sugis to me. Um, says the Gemara. So the Mishnah said in Shovin Sacheres Vein Chotchinas Anir Listos Bamaliach, you're not allowed to break up earthenware and you're not allowed to cut up uh, paper so that you could roast fish on it. My time I'll come, Mishum to come and Mona because you're going to be fixing up a vessel. I guess this 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 earthenware or this paper. We don't want you sort of like cutting it to size. I guess on uh, Yom Tif. All right. Alright, and uh, the Mishnah said, Van Gorfin Tonavichiraim, you're not allowed to sweep out an oven or a uh, stove. Alright. Tony Rivchia by Yosef, Kamidir of Nachman. Alright, so Rivchia by Yosef, top of Rivchia by Nachman, Vim Efshar, Lefos, Elim, Kin Gorfo, Mutter. Interesting. But, if basically the oven is unusable unless you, you, um, um, sweep it out or shovel it out, so then it is permitted, right? So, like, if you have to bake bread or something, but there's too much charcoal and it's just, you know, you have to sweep it out, so then that's okay. Rebchia's wife, a like a brick from the oven, fell into the oven on Yom Tif, to the extent that it was going, you know, like if you were baking bread, so it would kind of hit this brick that fell in, like it would interact with the brick that fell in, like it, it was, things were going to get burnt, it wasn't going to work out. So Rebchia said to her, Chazi, the Anarifta Ma'ayi Sabino, he says, look, I'd like some really geschmack of bread, meaning, um, you know, it's okay. You could take out the brick, you know, do whatever it is. You know, it's Yom Tif. You can do whatever you want. You know, you could, you could, you could remove the brick from the oven if it means that we'll be able to have geschmack of bread. Omele Rav the Shamoi, Rav said to his attendant, Tovili Baravoza ve Isdar Mecharocha. Rav said to his attendant, look, make for me a goose and make sure it doesn't get charred. Meaning again, like, if there was stuff on the bottom of the oven that would be interacting with the goose and it would make it get burnt, so you could shovel out that stuff. Omele Ravina the Ravashi, Ravina says to Ravashi, Omelon Rav the Rav Achamihutzel said to us, Demar, that master Ravashi, Sharkin le Tanura Biyoma Tava, that you would um, sort of um, uh, like seal 
the oven on Yom Tov so that the heat wouldn't escape with like mud. So meaning, the, the, the point was, how can you be like kneading the mud on Yom Tov to make the mud that you're going to, that you're going to uh, insulate the oven with? So Amrle, so Ravashi responded, We rely upon the mud of the Euphrates, uh, which is like a good geshmak of mud that we don't need to uh, knead it on Yom Tov. But you would have had to already set it aside from the day before to be using as your mud to be um, insulating and, uh, and closing off your oven. Um, Ravina Vikit Mashari and says, Ravina, uh, you're allowed to knead uh, ashes on Yom Tif because they don't really knead very well. All right. You can't take two barrels and put them next to each other and put a pot on top because it's like making an ohel. Rav Nachman says that if you have stones in the bathroom, this is a very interesting. Says Rav Nachman, you could take two stones, it's like basically making an improvised toilet seat. Sounds like fun. So basically they would take like two stones and they would put them next to each other, two like bigger kind of stones, put them next to each other and you could sit on it and there's the improvised toilet seat. So, so you, so you're allowed to do that on Yom Tif. Eisvei Rav Rav Nachman. Rav asks the Kasher to Rav Nachman. He says, I don't get it. In Makifin Shtechavus Lishvosalein Esagadera. Our Mishnah said that you can't take two barrels, put them next to each other, and then put a pot on top of that because it's going to be like making an oil. So why are you allowed to take two stones, put them next to each other, and then you sit on top of it? Isn't that similar to the two barrels next to each other with a pot on top of it? Swap out the pot for you. Swap out the barrels for stones. So Omar lay shiny oil. So Rav Nachman says, well, it's different because with the two barrels and the pot, you're actually um, making an ohel. Where over here, it's really just like two um, stones next to each other, and I guess it um, isn't the right over here. There's no there's no roof on it. You're the roof, and I guess you don't make a very good roof. But says Rabazuta to Ravashi, But what if you make, you know, what 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 if the what if you make kind of like a more permanent toilet seat on Yomtiv, right? So let's say instead of just using two random stones, what if you like take brick and like you actually like build like a very nice toilet seat there? Um the Sharia, we're gonna say that it, right, right, that it's allowed because you're not making an oil. Omar le, so Ravashi answers, Hosun binyan keva asatora binyan arai lo asatora. He says, okay, so look, this is really what's going on. Is that, um, the issue at hand over here is, are we making a permanent structure or not? So therefore, when it comes to, uh, yeah, if you make like kind of a permanent toilet seat over there with like bricks and mortar and stuff, that would be a problem. Um, now, um, where am I? But the rabbis then made a gezerah. They made a gezerah against even temporary um, structures. So therefore, if you make a permanent toilet seat, it's going to be a problem because it's a, it's a permanent structure. Now, if you take two barrels and put them next to each other and put a pot on top, that's also going to be a problem. It's, it, 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 it's a temporary structure, but the rabbis said don't even make the temporary structures out of concern for making the permanent structures. Now, but over here by the makeshift toilet seat, Mishum Kvodalogazu Berabanan out of Kovada Brio, so the person can go to the bathroom with dignity, 
they um, they said, you know what? If you're just going to be taking two stones and sitting on top of that, no, it's okay. We're not going to make a gezera out of concern that you might make a uh, more of a permanent um, situation. So, uh, all right, that's uh, oh, let's actually go shtikol weiter. Amar Yehuda says a Yehuda high madurta. If you make like a bonfire, like you ever been to camp before? You ever been with like kids, maybe like Baomer? When they make a bonfire and they like stack it up and there's a whole a whole thing from you know you make layers and all sorts of things. So milamaila lemata shari milamata lemaila also. So if you do it, if you build it from the top down, so if you kind of hold like the roof first of the bonfire and then put the layer the lower layers underneath that, it's permitted because it's not the normal way of uh, of building. But if you would first like build it from the bottom up, so that would be a uh, problem. Also, if you have like a very big egg, not talking about like small eggs, talking about big like tefach sized eggs, um, that apparently, and I guess if you want to like fry it on Yom Tif or something, so you wouldn't first put the pan on the fire and then put the egg on top of that. You would first put the egg in the pan and then put the pan on the fire. Then Kedera, also, um, if you want to put like a um, pot on top of two barrels, so I kind of, as the Mishnah said, don't take two barrels and then put a pot on top of it, but you could hold the pot and then take two barrels and slide it underneath. Also, if you're constructing a bed made out of pieces, also don't start from the legs and build it in the normal way, but start with kind of laying out the, 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 I guess, uh, uh, like thing under the mattress and then put the legs under that. All right. And similarly, uh, barrels. If you're like storing barrels and organizing barrels, uh, also, don't have two uh, barrels and stack a third on top of it. Rather, hold on to the third barrel and then put slide the two underneath them. I guess we don't want you constructing it and building these things in the normal way. Um, all right, that's really fun stuff. Friends, that was the Aflamid Bays of Mesech the Beya. So, okay, the first part of the of the uh, daf was talking about tying ropes and untying ropes, really, on Yom Tif. We had the opinion of Shmuel who says that if you have a rope that's tied to the ground, uh, you're allowed to untie it, you're not allowed to unravel it, you're not allowed to cut it, and that's both on Shabbos and Yom Tif. but if it's tied to a vessel, you can untie it, unravel it, and uncut it, uh, and cut it as well. Uh, we saw the opinion of Rameir, who seems to be saying that, well, and the rabbis agree with him, who makes, and he, they make a distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tif, that they say when it comes to a rope that's tied to the ground, on Shabbos you're allowed to untie it, but you may not unravel it, you may not cut it, but on Yom Tif you're allowed to untie it and unravel it and uncut it. And then we saw, and then we had a brisa essentially that basically um, supports Shmuel, and we said that it was uh, Reb Nechemia's opinion. We then got into Reb Nechemia's opinion. Interestingly, there are two uh, Tanoim who teach Rabbi Nechemi's opinion. First of all, what is Rabbi Nechemi's opinion when it comes to Muksa? Rabbi Nechemi's opinion when it comes to Muksa is that you're not allowed to move something on Shabbos except for its purpose. So a knife I could use to cut food, I cannot use a knife to cut a rope, for example. Um, now there was one Tanu who says that Rabbi Nechemi only talks about Muksa on Shabbos but not on Yom Tif. Um, there's another Tanu though who says that according to Rabbi Nechemi, um, Muksa applies both on Shabbos and on Yom Tif. So, uh, okay, go figure. Um, fine. Then we saw a Mishnah that says that you're not allowed to make a receptacle in a uh, lamp on Yom Tif, because even just putting the receptacle in there is already going to make it a vessel. The question was, whose opinion is that? First, we wanted to say that it is, um, we have one version of Rav Yosef who says that it's Rav Meir's opinion. We have another version of Rav Yosef who says that it's Rav Tzadik's opinion. Okay. That was um, fun stuff. We talked about how to make two wicks. If you want to divide a wick in two, on Yom Tif, so you kind of like 
put, you know, uh, put the wick, one wick in this lamp and the other end of the wick in the other lamp, then you can kind of light it in the middle, make two wicks. Um, and then we saw an interesting Gemara that anybody who has mercy and compassion on other people comes from the uh, lineage of Avraham Avinu. If you don't have compassion on other people, then you do not come from the uh, lineage of Avraham Avinu. Um, all right, fine. We got to some other interesting stuff. Uh, fine, we talked about it. you're not allowed to make a uh, temporary. Uh, you're not allowed to make a permanent dwelling on Shabbos and Yom Tif. Uh You're also not allowed to make a temporary dwelling out of concern that you might make a permanent one. But we say that when it comes to making a uh, temporary a makeshift uh, toilet seat, that would be acceptable. We won't make a there out of Kovod Abrios. Friends, that was the Aflamid Bays of Mesech the Beitza. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace out.